Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. If you have your Bibles with you, I want to invite you to turn with me, however you access the Scriptures, to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, and hold your place there. And today, as we continue our Gaining Ground series, I want to share a message with you about wasted energy. Wasted energy. You know, there's a lot of times that we find it difficult or we're having a hard time, it seems like, gaining any ground, moving forward. And it's not because we lack desire or ambition or because we haven't prayed. It's not because we haven't trusted God and because we're not working hard, because we are. Here's the catch. Here's what happens to us. There's a term that is often used in the business world that I believe represents the activity of a lot of believers. And these are, when I, when I say this term, I want you to understand, this is to cast no stone because I know that they're well-meaning people and they're faith-filled people, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, But too often times, even we as Christians get involved in what the business world calls sideways energy. Sideways energy is a term that simply denotes the fact that we may be investing a lot of energy, we're exhausting a lot of resources, we're investing a lot of personal, emotional, and mental capital, but none of it is moving us towards our goals in the least. It's just... It's what they call busy work, and we're not getting anywhere. We're not, we're not getting closer to our goals. We're not gaining any ground. And too often, I believe, in the Christian world, we're too busy to make any forward movement because we're so invested sometimes in a battle that doesn't matter that we can't fight the battles that do matter to win our destiny. Now... We spend a lot of sideways energy sometimes. We try to prove a point. We we try to settle scores. We're trying to win an argument. How many of you have ever won an argument to find out that you didn't gain anything in winning the argument? Two hands way up high for me. It is possible sometimes to come out on the losing end of winning. We, we spend a lot of time, though, trying to win those arguments, settle those scores. And the truth of the matter is, if we prevail in our endeavor, it's not going to gain us or benefit us in one little bit or help us to advance in the things of this life, neither spiritually nor physically. And I want to illustrate for you here how every challenge that's presented to us is not a challenge for us. I want to say that again. Every challenge that's presented to us is not necessarily a challenge for us. There are some things that we simply need to see and that's it and keep on moving. And then there are some challenges that we need to take on and we need to endeavor to overcome. Turn with me, as I said in your Bibles, to that very familiar passage of Scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And as you're, some of you are continuing to turn there, I want to share with you something. I was having a conversation the other day with someone about my preferred method of viewing um, sp- 
sports, uh, games, you know, things that air on the TV. Some people's preferred method is to, you know, get the snacks and gather around in the recliner and lounge out and veg out for two, three, three and a half hours and watch this thing unfold, sometimes in meticulous and boring slow motion. Um, my preferred method, however, is just to wait until the end of the day, turn on Sports Center on ESPN, and just sit there, and in a few minutes, anything that happened that was noteworthy in the course of that game, I can see it all just in a few minutes. So I'll be able to come to work the next day whenever somebody's, hey, did you see that game? So, man, I saw that play, and it was just absolutely tremendous, and I really enjoyed it. And I don't even, as a matter of fact, I can watch several games, anything that mattered, in a fraction of the time it would have taken me to watch one. Now, the reality is there may be some nuances that I miss out on. And honestly, the reason I share that today is because I feel like 1 Samuel 17 is one of those chapters or passages of Scripture that we approach like an ESPN highlight reel. I think we just, we focus on the high points and there's a lot of material left uncovered that we really need to pay attention to. Here, let me, let me just see if I can get the highlights right here for you in 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17 begins something like this. There's a military buildup on both sides between the Israelites and the Philistines. And there's a young man by the name of David who has elder brothers who are serving on the front lines of the battle. His father's concerned for their welfare, packs David up with some groceries and sends him out to the camp to deliver the goods to his brothers. Along the way, David encounters a smack-talking Philistine giant. A righteous indignation rises up in David. David selects from the brook five smooth stones and goes out with nothing but a sling and a stone to face the giant. He then sends a prayer up to heaven, winds up his slingshot, and casts said stone into the forehead of the giant, the giant falling face first on the ground. David then taking the giant's own weaponry and severing his head from his body. And then all of a sudden, the entire Israelite army who was quaking in their tents now has a newfound boldness because of David's victory. They pursue the Philistine army and give them flight. The end. Right? Does that sound like the story as you know it? Pretty much. I mean, that's the way we've always been taught it. But there's some, there's some really strong truth here hidden in plain sight to which we need to give our attention. And I want to pick this narrative up here in verse 22, and I want to read a portion of this together with you this morning. Beginning in verse 22, so the stage and the scene is here, the military build up both sides, David and the groceries and the whole lot, and here we are. Verse 22. And David left his supplies in the hands of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. And then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. Now let me clarify there. The, the writer here has already given us the words that were spoken by the Philistine giant earlier in the narrative. They were words of... Uh, uh, they were words degrading, demeaning the Israelite army, and they were cursing the living God. So here he is again with this same rhetoric. He's, he's defying the armies of Israel, and he's cursing the living God. And these are those, quote, same words. 
And if you take notes in your Bible, if you're, if you're a highlighter, a scribbler, I want you to circle the next phrase that says, so David heard them. Mark that, so David heard them. And I want you to hang on to that for just a minute. Let's finish our reading here. It says, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, for they were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. He will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Again, if you're a note taker, you scribble, mark in your Bible. I want you to mark this very next word. One single word, and it is the word then. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, excuse me, what did you say would be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes this reproach away from, the, away from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride, David, and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, Hey, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And then immediately it says, then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Here's what I want you to understand about the story of David and Goliath that applies to your life and to mine. We assume that simply because David heard the, the giant spouting off his rhetoric, that then a righteous indignation rose up in David and David said, I'm going to put an end to this once and for all. But I want you to look carefully at the text with me here in verse 23 and it says this, then as he talked to them, this is David there conversing with his brothers to whom he had delivered these goods. It says there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of, Phil of the Philistines and he spoke according to the same words. Again, that same rhetoric was going on there. And then it says, so David heard them. That's it. David heard the giant. David heard his noise. David heard his mouth. David heard what he was saying. But that's it. David heard them. Some people think that this is where David becomes infuriated and this is what pushed David over the edge and drove David to take up this challenge. But I want to contend with you that that was not the case. As a matter of fact, I think in this moment that David might have been a little bit like this. He heard it. He heard it. That's all it says. So David heard them. In fact, it wasn't actually the words of the giant that aroused David. It was the words that were spoken next. We read in verse 25 and it says this. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be... 
It shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches. He will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Now I want to submit to you ladies and gentlemen that right here in verse 25, this is where this thing begins to matter. Here's where it all begins to matter. I'm not saying that David, it didn't grieve David's heart to hear this Philistine mark, mock his army and defy God. I'm not suggesting that in the least. But understand that in the culture and in the day in which David lived, a lot of folks did. Here's a Philistine giant. David walks up. The giant is talking smack. David says, hey, it's a Philistine. And a Philistine's going to do what a Philistine's going to do. Haters are going to hate. Gossips are going to gossip. But that's none of my business. That's none of my concern. And then David spoke to the men who stood by saying, wait, wait a minute, what? What shall be done? This is the first response we see this whole situation draw from David. After these men say, this is what's going to be done for the man that kills the giant. David said, pardon me, I'm sorry. But verse 26, I'm sorry here, did I hear you right? What did you say was going to be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away this reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know, it was disheartening, no doubt, to David that this man openly defied God. But it was not counted as a worthy conquest until it was revealed to David what would be done for the man who defeated the giant. And now, in essence, David says, you know, after he hears what's going to be done, David says, oh, oh, now it matters. This is a place here where I can get involved. Now, what David is illustrating for us here in this moment is that there will be times in our lives when we are going to be presented with challenges that aren't worth our energy, or our time, or the risk. But then again, we're going to be presented with some challenges that are. And we need to learn how to differentiate between the two. David said, hey, great riches would be nice. I can deal with that. Giant slayer fits very nicely into the resume of a future king. I feel like that's in keeping with God's direction and God's purpose for my life. Marrying into a royal family certainly seems fitting for someone who's on their way to the palace. And hey, who wouldn't want a tax exemption? I'll take it. I'm going to rise to the occasion here. Why? Because all of a sudden it became worth it. It became a battle worth it. Now, here's what we need to learn also from David is that there's a great hazard here that we need to avoid. And it's a great hazard, here it is, it's a great hazard for you and I to exercise spiritual principle without making a practical application. Why? Because sometimes we end up hurt and disappointed and frustrated because we're trying to apply or exercise spiritual, uh, spiritual principle without making a practical application. You say, how's that work? Well, you know, we look at this and surely the anointing of God was on David to kill Goliath. How many of you agree with that? 
David was anointed in that moment for that purpose. The anointing of God was on him, and that's the truth. But sometimes we want desperately to take that spiritual principle and apply it to every situation in our lives and expect to have a similar outcome. Without any any thought for for reason, for context, or hope of what we uh, stand to gain, we, we jump out and we fight and only to end up realizing that we didn't get the same result that David did. We face what we perceive to be a giant in our lives. We, we hear a little something. See, David heard something, but we hear a little something. Sometimes we don't even hear a little something. We heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another I'm sorry. Some of y'all get that on the way home. We didn't even hear it firsthand. We just heard a little something. All of a sudden, boy, we are, woo, mm, good. Hey, we ready. We are cop. We are ready to pick Jesus a fight because greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. And I'm telling you, I heard a little something and now I'm ready to fight. We're offended by what someone said. We're offended by the way we were treated. We're upset that we didn't get what we wanted from someone. And all we know is that there is what seems like a giant in front of us that mocks us and indignation rises and we're ready to rumble. And the end of that is that we live a life feeling like we're constantly fighting but never making any progress. And the reason is we're spending so much sideways energy. And the reason for that is that we're often fighting battles that don't matter. They don't matter. If we won, we'd have nothing more than the fleeting satisfaction of having won. But we'd be no closer to our goals. We'd be no closer to fulfilling God's purposes in our lives. And we can't see any lasting capital that there is to gain from investing our efforts in the fight. Let me give you a powerful, powerful thing. If you're taking notes this morning, I trust you are. There are notes available on the back of your bulletin. I want you to to fill in the blanks because I want you to put this on your refrigerator, on your bathroom mirror, maybe the rear view of your car, wherever you frequently look because you need to be reminded of this often. And that is this. Not everything that runs its mouth is meant for us to fight. Not everything that makes noise is meant for us to fight. The real result is that the whole time we've been distracted spending energy on things that don't matter, opportunity for the things that do matter has been passing us by, but we've been so distracted by situations and people that run their mouth that we're fighting fights that don't matter. And we live angry and we live upset and we live frustrated because we can't, just can't seem to get ahead. Listen, God has not anointed you to get even. God has anointed you to go ahead in his purpose for your life. I want to point out something to you here. Goliath wasn't the only talker on the battlefield that day. 
Did you catch that when we were reading through? It wasn't just Goliath running his mouth. David's there in the camp of the Israelites. His own brother comes up to him, Eliab. Eliab's there. Eliab comes and says, hey, David, what are you doing? I know what you're up to. David, he begins to talk about David and run him down, judging his character, belittling him, judging his motivations and his purpose for being there. And David could have very easily right then turned all of his attention on Eliab and said, let me tell you something, boy. Yes, because I don't know how it rises up in you, but that's how it rises up in me, right? Let, let me set you straight here for just a minute. Let me tell you what's really, let me tell you what you don't know first, and then I'll tell you how it really is. You know, we, we, we won't spend all that time. But it says there that David just looks at him and says, hey, what have I done now? Is there not a cause here? And he immediately turns his attention back to what mattered because he realized that his brother running off at the mouth didn't matter. Furthermore than that, let me give you this little piece of advice. Everybody that runs their mouth about you, the problem sometimes isn't you at all. Sometimes it's them. Because as, David, as Eliab's looking on, here comes little brother. Little brother's out there inquiring, hey, what we got to do to shut this down? But Eliab's been one of the cowards hiding in the tent the whole time. His problem wasn't David. His problem was his own cowardice. And he didn't want to see little brother come out on the battlefield and show him up. So the problem, his problem was David, with David was his problem with himself. But David didn't spend any unnecessary time or energy on Eliab. He didn't try to set him straight because if he had tried to set Eliab straight, he would have never made it to the battle that mattered. Saul, Saul was there. We, we can pick this up a little later. You can read it a little later on in the narrative that Saul was there. Here's what Saul, David came in and said, Saul, I, I want to do this. Day, and Saul said, hey, it's great if you want to do it, but why don't you try to do it my way? Some of us, even if we'd made it to the battlefield, we'd been so busy being slapped around and beat by the giant because we were trying to please somebody else in doing it their way rather than walk in the anointing and the power that God had given for our lives that we wouldn't have been able to get the victory in that moment. We'd been so busy with a battle of trying to please Saul. We'd have been so busy with a battle given the same circumstance. Some of us would have never made it to the giant because we'd been so distracted by Eliab and Saul. Now, Say, Pastor, where, where's, where's all this fit in the context of my life? I'll tell you. Some people are fighting battles in their hearts and their minds and have been with people for decades. They, they've been fighting battles with people in their minds. They have been spending emotional, mental capital on these people for so long. And the truth of the matter is, in some of those cases, the other person doesn't even know there's a battle going on. And sometimes the person who's waging the war has just been doing it so long that it's become a habit and they don't even remember why it started. But they just fight and they keep on fighting and they keep on warring with a battle that doesn't matter. Some of us have declared war on situations and relationships that God is trying to heal and to redeem. 
I told you that every war, every battle that comes your way is not your battle to fight. We, we fight financial battles and to try to have things, to try to prove to everyone else that we're somebody and we continually fight and we continually war. And the truth is, it doesn't matter what you have, you ain't impressing nobody. And if they didn't like you, they ain't gonna like you just because you got a little something. We spend all our time trying to make people like us who don't like us. And you can spend all the time you want to, they're still not going to like you. It's just that way, I'm sorry. If you can call me anything, call me a realist. It's just the way it is in life. But we get presented with these little things, these little, these little skirmishes. And man, we want to take it on. Every, everything that breathes any bit in our direction that we're less than, that we are, we're not somebody, that we're, we just want to take that thing on. Rather than walking in the anointing and the truth of God's word, we want to take that thing on. We want to set everybody straight. We want to make the record right. We want to, we want to get everybody to agree with us. Some of us are fighting battles over things that we've made our business, that we heard from the friend of a friend, but in truth, they're none of our business at all. Some of us, some of you right here, right here, some of us need to learn how to do this. I, I'm sorry, I hear you, bro, but this ain't my battle. I hear you, but, but this ain't my battle. I got, I, hey, I can get caught up in it just like anybody else. You've got to be careful. You've got to guard your heart. I'm telling you, it's real. And the adversary will come into your life. He'll blow some things up and make them seem so big and so significant. But if you just take a step away for just a minute, you'll find out it's just noise. Let me tell you something. Goliath was just noise until somebody told David, hey, this thing matters. It was just noise. Eliab was just noise. Saul was just noise. The only thing that mattered in that moment was that if I go out here and I whip this giant, I stand to gain. And I'm not asking you to be callous and I'm not asking you to be hard. But I'm telling you today, church, you need to carefully examine where you're investing the energies and the emotions of your life and what battles you're fighting because I believe that there are a lot of people even in the body of Christ that fight a lot of battles that don't matter. They're absolutely useless. They're absolutely useless. Now here's the truth. Sure, it was upsetting to David that Goliath spoke against God. Many things that I hear upset me. There are a lot of things I hear that are upsetting. Sometimes it's about a message that I shared. Sometimes it's about me personally. Sometimes it's about my family. But not everything I hear is grounds for a battle. Let me tell you, no doubt you've understood in the world that we live in, that there are people who have differing political and theological positions that you do than you do. But in truth, it's not your job to correct everyone who has a different political or theological position. You need to be a witness for sure. 
You need to be an influencer for the purpose of the kingdom in any way possible. But at the end of the day, however, people are going to talk about your God, about the church you attend, about your family, about your pastor, and about everyone in your family. And not everybody's going to be your fan. And guess what? Still not your battle. Not always. But David said, there's something here that seems like it's going to count for something. And I want to know here what's in it for the man who defeats this mouthy Philistine. See, what we learn from David here is that David wasn't going to waste his time nor his energy to fight a fight that didn't matter. Giant or no giant, David said, God's got a call and a purpose on my life and this seems like a catalyst that's going to move me towards it and with the Lord on my side, well, now I'm ready to fight. Can I tell you something? All battles belong to the Lord, but not every battle has the Lord appointed for you. There are ones that aren't, that you choose to fight anyway. And you know what happens in that? You're up there, you're going to fight this battle, you don't matter what. You don't matter why, I mean it doesn't matter you what or why, you're just going to fight that battle and you're going to do it in your own strength. And God will watch you fight and fight and fight until you've exhausted every resource and all of your energy and until you just give up. But then there's some battles that are appointed for you. And well, that's different altogether. See, David recognized this moment because there was a time when his father's livelihood was on the line. When the livelihood of his whole household was on the line. On the line. And in that moment, a bear came out against his father's flock. And a lion came out against his father's flock. And David said, oh, there's something that matters here. He said, I I felt the anointing and the power of God begin to well up in me. And I slew the bear and I slew the lion with my bare hands. And I'm feeling that same kind of feeling right now. That something here matters. And the anointing of God is rising in my life. And I know, listen to this, David said then, all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword or the spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give it into your hands. Let me tell you something church, the battle that really matters in your life is not going to be the struggle sometimes of fighting the battles that don't because the ones that matter, God is going to give them into your hands. Let me tell you the battle that matters for you and I. In Hebrews chapter 4, the writer to the Hebrew church mentions no less than eight times entering into the rest that God provides for his people. As a matter of fact, you can back up into chapter 3 and you can find a few more mentions of that. You can find the beginning of this thread of thought here. Ten times in succession, the writer to the Hebrews talks about entering into the rest. As a matter of fact, at one point, he says that we need to give due diligence to exert ourselves to be sure that we can enter into that rest. Let me tell you, the only thing you and I really need to contend for 
is to live in the rest that God has provided. Because otherwise, he will always fight our battles. And if he ain't fighting the battle for us, it means it wasn't our battle to fight. But we, you, what you and I have got to do is contend to keep the lies of the adversary out and contend to, to keep the anxious thought and contend to keep those things that war against what God wants to do in our lives out so that we can live in a place of peace that passes all understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory and we can live in the assurance of who He is and what He's done for us. That's the battle for us. All this other stuff often is peripheral, but it keeps us out of the peace of his presence because we're so tied up fighting battles that don't matter. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how many folks liked your last Facebook post, Instagram post, how many people retweeted you. I don't care how good and how spiritual it was. That, that kind of stuff doesn't matter, but those are the things oftentimes that consume our thoughts. And we say, well, why? how come these mutual friends liked what that person said and they didn't like what I said? Stop it! This person, you, you're going to get up tomorrow morning, you're going to go to work, and you're going to work in the desk, the cubicle next to the most cantankerous person in the office. And you have carried brownies and you have brought fruit baskets and you have left little cards and nice things to get them to like you and they still don't like you. I'm not asking you to cease to be a kind, but I'm telling you to stop fighting battles that don't matter. Somebody's going to come in tomorrow morning and blow you up and you're going to have to decide right then, does this even matter? If I set them straight right now, if I get this thing taken care of right now, is it even going to matter? And 90 plus percent of the time, the answer is no, it's not. All you're going to have is the fleeting momentary satisfaction of having won the argument and that's it. Don't let it rob you of the peace of God because that's the real win. Don't let it rob you of your joy because that's the real bonus. That's the real prize. Don't let it rest you from the assurance of knowing who you are in Christ and who he is to you. That's the real reward. Stop fighting useless battles. Stop contending for things that don't matter. It's the only way that you'll gain ground in this life. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.